Has anyone ever asked you, are you a glass half full kind of person or a glass half empty kind of person? Right. I mean, at 42 years old, I have heard that statement so many times. Like it's the original personality test. You know, it's like the original learning style test. Optimist or pessimist. But, you know, there's a third person in this metaphor, and that's the realist. Right. So the optimist says the proverbial glass of water is half full. The pessimist says the proverbial glass of water is half empty. And the realist says it's a glass of water, bro. Drink it or dump it, right? The, the mantra of realists everywhere is what? It is what it is. And I suppose the truth is there's a realist in all of us, right? If we are either an optimist or a pessimist, there's a realist in all of our optimism. There's a sense of realism in all of our pessimism. There is a realist in all of us. And if you would allow me today, I want to speak to the realist in you. I want to speak to that aspect of what you and I must be grappling with, must be wrestling with in the midst of these unprecedented days and unprecedented times. Why are we given to being a realist? Why are we given to saying, hey, it is a glass of water? Because by acknowledging the reality, by being realistic about something, it gives us a sense of control. It gives us a sense of being in charge. It's a glass of water. It can be analyzed or it can be picked up and it can be, you can use it for refreshment or you can give it away or dump it. That's just the facts. Let's be realistic. And I think the reason we like being realistic is it gives us a sense of control. Now, this is true about each and every one of us, the more accurate information we can take in, right? The more realistic we can be, the more stats, the more data, the more information, we can be in control. We can be accurate. We can be healthy with our life. And so if you're like me, the information, the data, the resource, the concept, the perspectives gives me a sense when I wake up in the morning, I know what's going on, I know what to do, and my life is going to be okay until a global pandemic has halted dramatically everything we knew to be true, normal, and predictable. And here we are in 2021 with no true end insight. Right. I mean, we don't meaning there is no date given to us right now by the government in this country or countries even around the world to know exactly, actually, literally when what we called normal in the past will in any way be our reality today. Do you feel like you've lost control? Do you feel like you're missing control Do you feel like, you know, the elements of control, predictability, the elements of control like rhythm, the elements of control like a schedule, the elements of control like physically, literally seeing friends and family, hugging people you love? Do you feel like it's not just that we've lost normal? I think one of the things we're struggling with is a loss of control. Now, we're doing a collection of talks called What you think you've lost, what I think I've lost. 
And the reason we've titled it that, and I'm passionate about that concept, is because God specializes in restoring or repairing what we think is gone forever. And I think right now, if you're like me, I look into the future, I peer into the future of my life, my family, my friends, our church, our community, countries and continents all over. We've got people meeting in homes in more than seven countries around the world. And I'm looking into the future going, can we predict what's going to happen? No. And so it leaves me with a sense that I don't have control. And that's disturbing. That's disheartening. At the very least, it's distracting. It's challenging. And well, sometimes it feels overwhelming. I I don't have a sense of control. Do you feel like you have lost control? I got good news for you. First John chapter two says our God, the God of heaven and earth, Jesus is a forgiving redeemer. That word redeemer or redemption, which is a paramount concept and message in the overall arc of the New Testament narrative, it literally means God is a restorer. God is a repairer. God is a replacer of what you think you've lost. I'm telling you in the space of what used to be the control we had of our lives, God has plans to repair, replace, and restore something very significant in the place you and I used to put control. God has a plan. God is going to do something for the realist in all of us. It's a glass of water, bro. Drink it or dump it. Let's just be realistic. Are you like me? It's like the reality is what the reality is. Now, the reason I'm so passionate about reality, I'll say it one more time, is because I want to give a sense of like, if I can just own the reality of the situation, then just maybe I can predict my schedule, my performance, what I'm supposed to do. And it gives me a sense of handles or control on my own life. And this brings us to one of the 12 disciples named Thomas. Now, the 12 disciples ran around with Jesus in the known world at the time for approximately three and a half years, and they were all very young, and Jesus was leading them as they were disrupting the normal establishments and institutions, preaching the gospel of free forgiveness for everyone, for Jesus was about to die. By the time we get to John chapter 14, Thomas has been with Jesus for for a few years now, and Jesus is finally kind of settling in on the big idea of why he was born in Bethlehem and why he has come, and he is sinless, and he is perfect, and he's the promised Messiah, and it's reaching this pinnacle point, and Jesus says to his 12 disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to offer up my life. Now, I'm going to die, and where I'm going, you can't go, but I'm going to go there. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then we'll meet up there afterwards. It's going to be amazing, okay? Hey guys, all right? None of the 12 say a thing except Thomas. Thomas speaks up and says, no, we, we, we don't know what you're saying. Master, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way there, right? Here's, here's Thomas the realist. Now in the sixth century, there was a mosaic art piece made of Thomas struggling with his realism And it was then Jesus never called him Doubting Thomas, right? The scripture never calls him Doubting Thomas. Hundreds of years later, many, many years later, artists and culture said he was Doubting Thomas. I'm telling you that is inaccurate, that is wrong. It's led us to a misconception of who Thomas was. Thomas does not have a doubting problem. He has a control problem. Thomas is not a doubter. Thomas is a realist. 
And I think that's more honest of what you and I are facing in today's culture. It's not that we doubt, doubt, doubt. It's that we're honest about this is the way it is, right? The mantra of a realist is it is what it is. It is what it is. And the more we can be honest and realistic, maybe we can have a sense of control. And that's where Thomas is coming from. He's saying, Jesus, I don't know where. So can you tell me where? Can you give me a roadmap? Can you give me a roadmap? Can you give me a roadmap? And you know what? Jesus never gives roadmaps. He just gives the way. You know what? Jesus never gives a plan. He gives his person. He gives a plan sometimes, but his person is the ultimate plan, is my point. We want a roadmap. And Jesus gives us the way or the step to take with him. Thomas is like, give me more information. If you'll give me more information, I I, I can do this. Now, I'll prove this to you because if you go back now to John chapter 11, here's Thomas. And there's only a few instances we see in the scenes of the gospels where Thomas actually speaks up and Thomas kind of takes the scene. Thomas is one of the main characters, of course, along the character, Jesus, the point of it all. And so Thomas nicknamed the twin, it says in John eleven sixteen, 16, remarked to the other disciples, let's go see, let's go with Jesus so that we can die with him. Now, what's going on in this particular passage? Well, Jesus is saying we got to go back to where we were going and back to that town, back to that city. There was incredible criticism. There was incredible threats. And Thomas has assessed the information. He's assessed the situation. He's got all the data. So much so, please hear me, a realist can move when a realist gets all the information. Once all the information is given, there's a sense of control and a realist moves forward. That's the problem with the global pandemic is we can't get all the information. Have you noticed? We can't get all the information. We can't get all the information. I can't even get all the information and data and research on masks. I don't know when to mask up, not to mask up. I'm so for masks. I'm promoting masks. I'm about masks. I'm a proponent of masks. But I walk into places, I'm like, why are we not wearing masks? And then why are we wearing masks here? And why are we not wearing masks there? Have you talked to people about masks? Have you talked to try to talk to people who make masks or people who are into masks or people who design masks or put their logos on their masks? I'm like, what is the point of masks? And I know I'm into masks and I don't, I don't want to protect people in masks, but when do we use them? when do we not use them? And you know what the truth is? I can't get a good, consistent answer, right? There's information right now that is just lacking. There's information on a disease unlike we have ever seen. So there's not enough information. There's not enough research. There's still research going on about a vaccination. And thank God there's the beginnings of vaccinations and it is exciting nonetheless. And yet for us realists, which there's a little in all of us, if not a lot, we can't get enough information to get enough control, to get on with our life. Have you noticed that? We can't get enough information to get enough control to get on with our life. So what do we do? Well, probably a lot of what we do is criticize people on the internet, right? That's like one of the things we're just like, well, we got nothing else to do. I'll just, you know, like we, we can't get enough information to get enough control to get on with our life because we all feel like a realist it is what it is and i just got a sense where you feel like you lost control god is going to restore repair and replace he's going to fill that empty space i think the same way he filled thomas's 
empty space. It's not doubt you're dealing with. It's not so much doubt that I'm dealing with. It's a lack of control. If I want to, when is this going to get back to normal, right? We've all said that. You know why? Because normal, we felt like we had control of. We understood. Imagine if somebody told you there was a disease that was going to sweep the known world and a disease that the world has no information on, no understanding of, the likes of which we have never seen. You want to talk about a loss of control at the highest, most powerful offices and positions in the world. Now, Thomas, when he has all the information, evidently in John chapter 11, when he has all the information, he has a sense of control, he is willing to die. He's willing to die. But it's interesting because if you look at actually the original language, it comes with a level of sarcasm, pessimism. Thomas would have said something like this. Well, let's go. We're going to die. We're all going to die. Well, here we go, guys. We've been there before. We're going back there. And I can tell you right now, when we get there, he's going to die and we're going to die. Now, Thomas was right, but he was also wrong. Are you dealing with pessimism as well? Well, Judah, in the original metaphor at the beginning, I'm not a pessimist yet, but, but a realist, sometimes you end up struggling with being fatalistic, critical, pessimistic, and you're just like, oh, it is what it is. And I think there's an elevated attitude for us to live with then. Well, let's just go and die. What is... Thomas dealing with? Well, I, I can relate to Thomas. I, the word, the name Thomas means twin. It, it, they nicknamed this guy the twin because of, evidently he had a twin. But you know what's interesting about the New Testament is we're never told who his twin is, never told the name of his twin, never told which twin is older, which twin is younger, where his twin lives, where he lives, his relationship to the twin, as if to kind of say there's a twin in all of us, which is to say we are like each other. If you have lips, hips, and fingertips, we all feel pretty average. We all feel pretty normal. I watch Iron Man. I watch Superman. I watch Batman. I don't feel like Batman. I don't feel like Superman. I don't feel like Iron Man. I feel like a really average normal person, right? I don't feel like Tony Stark. I don't have a billion dollars to make a super suit to help me fly around the world and save people. Like I, I just am a really average person. And I think Thomas the realist saw himself very realistically. I'm average and I'm normal. Do you feel more average than ever? Do you feel more normal than ever? Isn't it amazing how before COVID-19, so many of us felt like you felt impenetrable. You felt like a superhero. You felt like, man, life's good. Life's going light. Maybe it was your career. Maybe it was relationships. Maybe it was some things we were creating and building and thinking and doing and preparing. And now the world's come to a screeching halt. Everything we knew as normal and true and sure seems to be unstable or eradicated or eliminated or gone. And now it's like, I don't have any control. And so we're all kind of in this fatalistic perspective, like, well, all right, it is what it is. Whatever. And boy, a, a cloud called COVID is settling over our lives, and we're wondering will we ever get back what we've lost? Will we ever get back what we've lost? I, I think John chapter 14 is another point where we've referenced a moment ago where, where Thomas is so frustrated, right? That's when he says, how, how can we know? We, 
we, we don't know where we're going. I think what, what Thomas is simply saying to Jesus, if you'll explain to us, right, if you give us the roadmap, if you give me the information, I'll have a sense of control. And just like what I said in John 11, I'll say it here again in John 14, but notice in John 11, he has all the information and he's ready to die. In John 14, he doesn't have all the information and a lack of control and he's unwilling to go anywhere. Listen to, listen to Thomas. He's like, until I get all the information, I'm not going anywhere. Have you ever felt like that? God, if you don't show me what to do, if you don't make it clear, I'm not going anywhere. So if we're not careful, we're not going to go anywhere with God until COVID is over. Until circumstances adjust in a way that I can understand, get a sense of control, and then I'll move with God. So here's some of the signals of a realist losing control. Here's some of the symptoms. Number one, you feel confused. Number two, you feel behind. And number three, you feel demanding. Number one, you feel confused. Number two, you feel behind in life. Number three, you feel demanding. John 14, Thomas is confused. Three chapters before, he's emphatic. We're going to go and we're going to die. So we're going to do. He's not particularly pleased. He's not pumped. But he's like, that's what's going to happen, guys. You all can think what you want. Jesus is going to die if we go back there. I can tell you that right now. I've gathered all the information. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes us. Guilty by association. And you all are going to die. We're going to die. That's what's going to happen. And I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I get it. I'm going to go do it. Just a few chapters later, the same guy. Do you feel like this? I do. In John 11, I feel like just a few chapters before in my life compared to this chapter of my life, I'm like, this is what we're going to do. This is what it is. Hey, whatever. I'm not saying I was thrilled about it. And then just a few chapters later in life, I'm like, hey, no, I don't wait. I don't know. Have you become unsure? We've talked about it. Do you, do you feel like you've misplaced your confidence and your assurance and your direction and your sense of purpose and your plan and your schedule and your rhythm and your parenting and your leading and your loving and your neighboring and your giving and your sharing? And you do you feel like I don't know? I, God. Thomas is confused. In other words, Jesus, again, give me more information and I'll do what you're asking. But I don't have the information. I'm, I'm confused. I found myself recently saying, I don't know a lot. I don't know. And a friend of mine said, you got to stop saying you don't know because you do know Jesus. And I thought, well, that, that's, I know this. God's not the author of confusion. So any confusion is of my own making of sorts. Jesus is not a confuser. And yet, one of the signals and signs that you're a realist struggling with the loss of control in the midst of this global pandemic is that you just feel confused, just like Thomas. Or, or maybe you feel left behind. What do you mean? In John chapter 20, 
Jesus, in fact, does die just like Thomas predicted and said. And then he rises again on the third day. He is the only one who defeats death in this life. He defeats death, hell, and the grave. He becomes the once and for all sacrifice for the air, selfishness of sin of all of humanity. We can be forgiven. We can be reconnected to God because of Jesus. He did everything he predicted, everything he said. It is scientifically an impossibility, but Jesus does the impossible. He beats death on the grave, does exactly what he says. Like I said, gets up on the third day. And the Bible says in John 20, all of the disciples are in a locked room, fearful and worried. And Jesus walks into the room and he says, peace, be still. Peers to him to have this incredible moment, as you can imagine. Then there's this little verse in John 20 that says, oh, um, Thomas wasn't there. The realist wasn't there. So what do you think the realist says when he gets back to the room and everybody says, he was here, man. Bro, he was here. Who was here? Jesus, man. Thomas is like, what? Is this a joke? No, Thomas, he was here. It was amazing. And Thomas, not a doubter, as much as a realist, says, it's not how this works. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But I think, I think what had to hurt in that moment is, I'm the only one? Do you feel like you're the only one left behind right now? Do you feel like you're the only one that doesn't get it? Do you feel like you're the only one like, what? Do you feel like because of COVID, you're like, I'm behind in my career. I'm behind, I know some of my single friends is like, I guess, I mean, now I'm further behind in ever getting married. Is romance ever gonna happen for me? I just, every day that passes in COVID, I'm falling further and further behind in my career, my relationships, preparing for retirement. Maybe you were just this close to retirement. You had a few more years to save up enough and then COVID hit. You lost your job or the income wasn't there anymore and relationships changed and there had to be a scale down at your business and all of a sudden your retirement is in question. And suddenly, instead of being ahead in life, you feel left out and behind. A loss of control. Lastly, do you feel demanding? This one really hit home for me, unfortunately. Listen to Thomas. He's like, no, nah. Unless I see his hands with the nail prints. Unless I put my finger in both his hands. Unless I put my hand in his side. Now, what do you think about this? It can't be an accident that John chapter 20 and verse 25 says, hands, touch, finger, hand. Four different times it references one of the physical control centers of our human experience. Unless I, unless I can I need to know if I can, if he's in my hand, then I'll know. But I have to control. See, I got a sense that the collision 
of our cultural dreams and COVID, the dreams that maybe our countries communicate to us. Every country wants, uh, most countries want the individuals within their countries to, to fulfill or, 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 or accumulate stuff for the dream. Many people tell me I'm living the dream, living, what is the dream? The dream is stuff. Whoever has the most stuff, the most renowned, riches, retirement, stuff, things. And that controller in all of us says, no, 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 no. God, if you really love me, you'll put a job in my hand. You'll put a marriage in my hand. You'll put stuff in my hand. And then I'll know you, but you, but I need to know. I need to see it. And you know, for years, man, I heard preachers tell people that's doubt, that's unbelief. You shouldn't say that. Well, if I shouldn't say it and it's unbelief, then why does Jesus eight days later somehow find it on his to-do list to take care of Thomas the realist? I heard so many preachers preach this passage and they told me, and that's why you don't want to be Thomas. And that's why you can't doubt. That's why you got to have faith. That's why you got to believe. But I'm like, wait a second. The one disciple that missed him in the room is confused, feels left behind. And as a result, he's dropped an ultimatum on God. And in everyone's hearing, he says, I'll tell you right now, I will never believe like you all believe until I can feel him in my hands. So eight days later, and I end here, the Bible says, Jesus walked through the wall again. See, in just eight days before, Jesus walked through a wall for a group of people. But this time he walks through those same walls for one person. If God can walk through walls for Thomas, won't he walk through the walls of your life to respond to your confusion? Respond to your missing out? respond to your demands. How gracious is this God? I love this part of the story. It says, he looked into Thomas' eyes. It seems like it happened fast. Thomas is there in the room. Probably something like this. Eight days later, I can only imagine Thomas sits in the corner and he stews. Everybody else is walking on air. Everybody else is pumped about life. Everybody else says, he appeared, he did. And Thomas will not be moved. I don't have the information. This is not real to me. This is not realistic. People don't walk through walls. People don't go come back from the dead. People don't live after the crucifixion. People don't live with holes in their hands and holes in their side. I saw him die. Sits in the Jesus walks through the wall. Thomas, I imagine Thomas' arms fall to his side. He takes a big breath in. And as soon as Jesus walks through the walls, he walks directly over to the realist. And he 
looks in Thomas's eyes and he says, here, is this what you needed? Is this what you wanted? Put your hands here, Thomas. I've always said this, but I can imagine Thomas saying to Jesus, it's okay, it's enough. No, 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 son. Feel my hands. See, I see this as a cataclysmic moment. And what I mean by that, I see this as a defining moment for realists forever. Jesus is saying to all of us who crave the control of our own lives and the trajectory of our future, Jesus is walking through the walls, beelining to one man, and he looks him in the eyes and he says, I want you to feel the hands who actually have control. Because I'm in control. See, see, I'm in control, Thomas. You've never been in control. Did you activate your heart? Did you choose your date of birth? Did you choose your last name? Did you choose your ethnicity? Did you choose the continent or country you would be born in? Did you choose? Or was it me, Thomas? Did I appoint you? Did I choose you? Did I name you? Somebody said to me recently, God trusted us with this trouble. God is in control. God chose me. God chose you to live in 2021. God trusted us with the trouble of this global pandemic. This is no surprise to the one who controls the stars in the heaven, the sand on the seashore, and the depths of all the oceans, the seas, and the rivers, and the lakes. The one who is in control of the cosmos has chose you for this day. And though you feel out of control, and though I feel out of control, and as a result, I do not want to move. I don't want to go any farther, God. I'm tired. I'm weary. It's too ambiguous. It's too unknown. It's too unchartered. There's too much pain. There's too much loss. I'm not going to be happy, clappy like everybody else in this room. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to play games. It is what it is. So what will you do? What will I do? Well, I will wait. What will you wait for? For more information? Oh, that's an illusion of control. You don't need information. You need transformation. You know what I need? You know what you need? We need a God who can walk through walls. We need need a God who can make eye contact with the deepest recesses of our being. We need the one who has control, the one who holds the world in his hands. We need him to divinely persuade us. Look at the rest of the story. John chapter 20. Then looking into Thomas' eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hands in my wounded side and see for yourself, see for yourself, see for yourself, see for yourself. See for yourself. Judah, what kind of preacher are you? I'm a see for yourself kind of preacher. What do you mean? Don't take my word for it. Don't just trust everything I say like it's true. See for yourself. See for yourself in this book. See for yourself with God. 
Let God meet you behind the walls of control and confusion. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts. Just believe. Just be divinely persuaded. Now watch, watch, watch the eruption. Watch the eruption. It's like Thomas's soul turns into a volcano. Look what it says in verse 28. The word spilled out of his heart. The word spilled out of his heart. The words, the words spilled out of his heart. The words spilled out of his things spill when they're full and things spill when they're moved, when they're tipped. God is going to tip your scale. God is going to move you. And what's going to come out of you is the overflow of God's reality. And listen, one scholar said this, it is here, exactly here, that we actually have the highest and most profound declaration of the identity of Jesus in the whole of the Gospels. I could have never predicted that one. The guy who's confused, the guy who's left behind, the guy who's a realist, the guy who makes ultimatums and demands of God, this guy, the realist, is the recipient of the highest and most profound declaration of the identity of Jesus in all the Gospels? Yes, what spills out of the overflow now of Thomas's heart, one moment with Jesus, one moment of eye contact, one moment of walking through your walls, and Jesus changes everything. This guy goes from zero to 60. He goes from pessimist and realist to full of divine persuasion. And he says, my Lord, and my God, which is to say, number one, Jesus is my personal Savior. And number two, Jesus is the God of the whole earth. There it is. Who is Jesus? He is my Savior, my Deliverer, and he is the leader, King, and God of the whole earth. Wow. I don't want you to settle for anything less than this. I want you to hear me, church home. We will not put in the place of supernatural transformation. There, we will not put information that gives you an illusion of control that helps you move forward in life because that is not the ways of Jesus. Where we need information to give us control so we can move on in life, God gives us transformation where we respond with surrender and we move in to the wonderful plans and purposes of God. Quit waiting for information and start looking for transformation. How does transformation come from a person? From a person. That's exactly what I'm saying right now. Is your mind going there? Judah, are you saying 
God is going to walk through the walls of my bedroom and show me his physical state? Well, based on what Jesus said to Thomas, I highly doubt it, and here's why. Because he says, Thomas, blessed are you because you have been persuaded because you saw me walk through the walls and I showed you my nail print. He said, but there's coming a generation. They will be blessed because they will be divinely persuaded, not by my physical, actual, literal appearing, but they will be persuaded by my spiritual persuasion. This, my spirit form will walk through the walls of their soul and I will look deep into their eyes and I will show them who I am and what I have done. Wait on that. Hey, Dad, trying to lead your family, wait on that. Hey, single mom, trying to make sense of where you're supposed to go and how you're supposed to take care of these babies, will you wait on that? If you have to tonight, you sink into your bed as you put your babies down, single mom, and I love you, single mom, you are a hero, and you cuddle in to that bed all by yourself, and you wonder to yourself, God, am I gonna be enough for these babies? I want you to lay in that bed, and I want you to wait for God to persuade you. There's not enough information in this world for me to give you the lasting courage and faith you're going to need for the journey ahead. But the one who walks through walls and looks into our eyes, he will come to you. I say to some who God has met you in years past, I would like to say again, he plans to meet you another time. So that's my prayer for you today. I need a God who walks through my walls and looks into my eyes and transforms me. What you thought you lost, control. God is going to fill. Fill me with what? The realization of His control. Are you saying that He's totally and completely in control of every minute of my life? Yes, Thomas. Yes. He's involved. He's active. He's in love with you. And he will not leave you nor forsake you. You know what's amazing about Thomas? Church history records, they call him the father of all those who believe in India. If you're watching from India right now, I could ugly cry because I'm not so sure you would know the name of Jesus today if not for the faith given by Jesus to Thomas. From best we can tell, Thomas goes into the unknown realm of India and begins to tell everyone who will listen. Jesus walked through the walls, showed me his hands, and he is alive. From where you sit right now and where I sit, I certainly don't feel like in my future, the way I feel. I'm gonna inform countries of the love of Jesus. You're like, I can't even inform myself. But see, that's what happens when transformation happens. You start to live a life you would never live on your own. 
isn't that the life of following Jesus? What you thought you lost, control, because of a lack of information and pain, Jesus is going to fill that space with a transforming revelation of who he is. Yeah, I'm going to pray for that for you right now. God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your spirit right now that will walk through all the walls and obstacles that will keep us going where you've called us to go. Look us in the eyes. Show us who you are. Get us on our way. Thank you, God. If you're here today and you're watching, you said, Judah, I'd like to become a follower of Jesus. I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers. He became sin so that we could become right with our God. He took the penalty and the judgment for all our error, our wrong, and our sin. So now all we have in our relationship with God is total and complete forgiveness and right standing. You can have that right now in this moment. Say, I believe. Say it right out loud. I believe. With your hand raised, I believe. And you're forgiven forever. I love you, church. And I'm so excited about all that God has ahead for you and for me.